Hallelujah. Happy Sabbath. You guys like that video? That video says sometimes you're going to get knocked down. We got to work hard. Can't let the devil, devil see that we are able to be moved. How many of you had a great week this week? Look, it seems like uh, people are not so happy about the Sabbath today. You guys happy? We about to worship. Amen. We're gonna worship. Come on, put your hands together. Come on, like this.
praying. Merciful, kind, and heavenly Father, I always say this, God, it's not by chance that we are looking at each other's faces right now. The fact that we even can say that we can see each other is a testimony that you are good and your mercy endures forever. I love you so much, God, that sometimes it just happens instinctually. I pray that when we leave this building today, God, that our love for you will grow so much that the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart will be acceptable in thy sight. Oh, Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Come on and praise the Lord, everybody. Come on, come on. This is the Lord's day, right? Come on, this is the Lord's day, right? It is the Sabbath, the seventh day of the week. This is the day we bless the Lord. We worship God in spirit and in truth because God is our provider. God is our redeemer. And we are in a relationship with God. That's why we celebrate the Sabbath. Come on, somebody. Are you glad that this is the holy day? Come on, come on. Are you glad that God woke you up this morning? The Bible says, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us... Come on, let us, everybody that has breath, praise ye the Lord. Has God been good to somebody? Has God done something amazing for somebody? Come on, somebody, can you just encourage yourself? Can you look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you are a miracle. Come on, say, neighbor, you are a miracle. God woke you up. I'm so glad that you are at the top. Come on, somebody. You could have been at the bottom, but God brought you to the top. And we can bless the Lord at all times. And his praise shall continually be in my mouth. Oh, man, I'm not the preacher today, but I feel the presence of God in this house. Anybody feel the presence of the living God in this house today? Anybody get joy in their heart today? Anybody get peace in their minds today? Anybody glad that they can move their hands and they can stomp their feet and they can turn around? Because God has been so good. Woo! I got to get loose up in here. I got to get loose up in here because God is so great. Amen, 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 amen. Welcome, welcome everybody to the top. I am Claval Hunter, the pastor, Tabernacle of Praise. I'm so glad that I'm able to be here with you just one more time. I'm happy that my family, they're with me today. Come on, somebody. My beautiful wife, are you happy to see the family? Chloe and Isaiah, and, and look all them children on the drums today. That's what I'm talking about. It's amazing, it's amazing. My son, he's not going to get up the drums today. That's his favorite place. I'm so glad you're here. We're going to have our welcome shortly, but I just need to make a few um, announcements. I just want to thank you, the church, those that went um, to support Alexandra and Emil, the family. You know, Alexandra's father passed away, and they had the funeral on yesterday. And I thank you, those who went to represent the church. Appreciate that. Thank you all for going. He is so good to see you. Mr. Garrett. Beautiful. Also, as you know, this evening, we are 
playing our volleyball tournament, right? We in the volleyball, right? We are playing who? We're playing agape. Come on, somebody. So I need to see more of the members out there. Pastors out there playing and Deacon Reed and so many of our young people, we are playing because we want to represent top, amen? And so at 6.30 at Northside 7th Adventist Church, 9001 Lucas and Hunt Road, there in the gymnasium, we're going to be there. We are playing the first game. We're playing the first game. So please make sure we are there on time. Don't come at 6.30. We need you there. If y'all can clear that way, please, so people can walk in. Make sure everyone be able to come in. Please clear the way. Ushers, greeters, please make sure. Let's, let's clear the way for me, please. Thank you. All right, so make sure let's, let's be there to play. I'm, I, I got my gym shoes. I'm ready. I'm ready. Amen. We're going to have a great time. Then also, please remember tomorrow, tomorrow um, evening at 3 p.m., we'll be right here um, as we celebrate the life of Mahia McKinley. Amen. This is going to be a worship experience, so you don't want to miss it. Please come and support Sister Lawrence and her family. Amen. Want to be here because um, her daughter passed away. And we just want to celebrate um, her life. And so please be here at 3 p.m. so that we are able um, to, to serve. We want to serve this family. I appreciate you all uh, um, being here. It's so good that our speaker and his beautiful wife, Constant Rogers and Janelle, they are here. Amen. Janelle, just raise your hand. Amen. His wife, we praise the Lord that they made it in, made it in safely. And we pray that they are experiencing the top, amen, the top first, exp um, you know, first impressions, right? Want to serve. Let's serve our guests. And so I thank them for being here. And our two beautiful young ladies are going to introduce our speaker later on in our, our service. Well, family, let's continue to worship God in spirit and in truth. Let's have our thank offering. Lawrence and Leanne. children come up here? One of nine children, Harriet was born into slavery under the name Araminta Harriet Ross. Both her parents were West Africans hailing from the Ashanti warrior people. While many of her siblings were sold and traded to distant plantations, one good fortune Harriet had was to remain united, united with her parents throughout her youth. When she, was, when she was 15, Harriet was accidentally hit in the head with an iron weight and fell into a coma for three days. Her brain injury resulted in, a, in narcolepsy, a permanent disorder that caused her to fall asleep at random times. Fearing her, fearing her slave owner would eventually discover her injury, she decided to run away and avoid the risk of being sold or traded. After escaping to freedom in 1849, Harriet could have stayed in the North 
but now that she knew it was possible to escape, she wanted to intend for her family and anyone else she could rescue. Over the course of 11 years, she returned to the South 13 times and led more than seven men, women, and children to freedom and safety. Via the lost, via the secret system called the Underground Railroad, known as a conductor, Harriet never lost a passenger on her journey. Even though it was dangerous, Harriet continually put her life at risk to save others. It wasn't the last time. During the Civil War, Harriet served as an army nurse and went undercover for, as a spy for the North. Harriet was always looking to help other people. What very little she had gave away to others. She lived in poverty most of her life, donated her time, money, and property to the people in need. So Lawrence, what did you learn from this lesson? I learned that if you find an escape route, then go rescue all the people you can. What did you learn? That reminds me, Jesus is our escape route. He came down from heaven, went on the cross, lived his life here on this earth, and then went back up to heaven to save our sins. He's our escape route. Now we're going to get the bu bu buckets and the children are going to walk around as we play a little soft song and pick up the, the thank offering. Thank you for them. Thank you for the kids. You're not done? First, does anyone have a testimony? Praise the Lord, everybody. It's my pastor making me get up here. That you know you have to do what your pastor says. I know now what you're asking me to testify about. You guys know that I retired in November 2018. And uh, you know I'm a busybody of sorts. So I wanted to work for the federal government. I retired from state government after 30, 32 plus years. And I said, well, you know what? If I can get one pension, I can get two pensions. So I went ahead and I got myself together and started putting in some applications. And a friend of mine told me about a USDA job. And uh, I actually went and turned in my resume. They called me up. And I went in, Leanne, so that I could uh, interview, you know. So I went studying and studying because I have not actually done any interviewing in years. So I went on the internet and I said, what are the questions they're going to be asking me and et cetera. When I got in the place, Jossie, okay, I go in and the lady, she starts explaining to me a little bit about the job and she said, I want you to go in the room and take a test. I went in the room and I took a test. I filled out some papers, Kelly. And so then I went and I waited for the lady and she came back. She said, I'm going to go ahead and check it for you. You only missed two. Well, Pastor, you know I didn't want to miss two. I wanted to get all of them right. But I, as I began to talk to the lady, I said, well, one of them seems to be a trick question. 
and the other one I was moving quickly to get through because I had six pages. I thought I only had two. So when I realized I had six, I really started going through it. But anyway, she said, that's not a problem. So then she gave me a piece of paper and she said, read this. I said, she's walking down my street now, Pastor. And I read the thing. She said, oh, you're an excellent reader. I said, glory to God. So she took me down the hallway and she said, this is where we actually work. I go to another spot. She said, this is where we take your fingerprints. So she said, I'm going to need to get your fingerprints. I said, does this mean that I've been hired? She said, hallelujah, you've been hired. They didn't ask me not one question. They didn't ask me anything about what I was good at, what my weaknesses and what my strengths were. She said, your resume spoke for itself. I said, that's the kind of God that I serve. Hallelujah. So I'll be, I'll, I'll be going to work when we start up again April the 6th. Pray my strength in the Lord. Amen. Ain't God good? <laughs> I pledge this pledge to represent Robert Bruce and Dave Pickard for Pastor and Sandy Bell. So proud of our children, amen. on the Jesus and me. Come on, everybody. Let's go around. Shake the hand of your brothers and sisters. Give somebody a smile and say, it's good to see you at Tabernacle of Praise. Come on and meet our speaker and his beautiful wife. Amen. Amen. And those that are worshiping online, we're so glad. 
that you're worshiping with us here at Tabernacle of Praise. This is a place where we experience the power of God through prayer, outreach, worship, education, and relationship. Our speaker today is Carsten Rogers, all the way from Atchison and St. Joseph, Missouri. He's a powerful speaker. He's a great man of God. He's a husband of one wife. And all of those, once again, if you're worshiping online around the world, we're glad that you're at Tabernacle of Praise. Have a wonderful day. Amen. What a beautiful, beautiful sight to see. Lots of smiles. Amen. We're family. Praise the Lord. Amen. Before we have our praise dance, just want to remind us, family, those, there are a few individuals who brought the pampers. You remember we are collecting pampers? You remember that family? Amen. Anyone else brought pampers, please? Leave it at the welcome desk. You brought it? Uh, bring it next week as well. Young people, you remember, we have an outreach project today. We're going out. We have our outreach project today. And so, so thank those who, I thank you all for bringing the pampers so we can serve our community. We welcome our ministry and dance now.
would come to the gym, and if it, say, he didn't get a ride to the gym, he didn't have no car, he would run. He would run across the causeway. Muhammad Ali, one of my great heroes, had a great line in the 70s when he was asked, how many sit-ups do you do? He said, I don't count my sit-ups. I only start counting when it starts hurting. When I feel pain, that's when I start counting because that's when it really counts. That's what makes you a champion. Jerry, I'm the greatest fighter that ever stepped foot in the ring. Money will be lost that night. This will be the biggest upset in the century of all boxing. I think you're a big bag of wind. Damnedest showman that ever lived, and you ain't kidding anybody. The odds are seven to one. It's very big odds for a heavyweight championship fight. It has to be Lister. Lister is a much bigger puncher. While well, these big mouth people talking about I talk too much, well, I want all of them to be there, and I'm going to shut up all of his mouth. And Cassius Clay has won after six rounds. My name no more. You want to keep calling me a white man's name? I'm not white. Continues to scream at Terrell. He beat the hell out of those who didn't want to use his name. Mr. Muhammad Ali has just refused to be inducted into the United States Armed Forces. I'm just about broke. I'm not allowed to work here now in America. I'm going to fight not for me, but to uplift my little brothers who are sleeping in concrete floors today in America. They want to be famous. They have people. It's a wonderful world. I'm gonna float like a butterfly and sting like a bee. George can't hit what his eyes can't see. All of you chumps are gonna bow when I whip him. All of you, I know you got him. I know you got him, Dick, but the man's in trouble. I'm gonna show you how great I am. Bluffed him, I done everything. Beat him up, basically, for about five or six rounds. I thought it was easy. Then about the sixth round, he whispered in my ear after I'd hit him in the side. That all you got, George? <laughs> Never talk about who's gonna stop me. Cause ain't nobody gonna stop me. I must be the greatest. I took up the world. I took up the world. I told you, all of my critics, that I was the greatest of all time. He was not courageous enough to take risks and accomplish nothing in life. certain fellas, I'm going to be champion one day, and when I'm champion, I'm going to come back and show you I'm wrong. Another said, guys, I'm going to be a great doctor one day, and I'm going to be a dentist, I'm going to be a great scientist, I'm going to be a president of the country. And but very few people actually are able to make good of the boats and come home and say, I told you.
I was like, I wasn't going to take it. It's working. Thank God. Praise God. <laughs> Did you guys hear what I said before? You said, say it again. Okay, so what I was saying was that for you, sometimes we feel that we can't give money, that we can't give anything. But that's not true. Because I saw Leanna, she came up and she did an amazing job. She was able to give without giving money. So I want to encourage everyone to just give with what I said, the carols. I say it every week. You can give with the five Ts. Temple, talent, treasure, trees, and your temple. So will the deacons please come forward? Okay. Now I will be saying a prayer for the tithing Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I want to thank you for keeping us throughout the week, Lord. I want to bless the offering that it can go to the community inside church to do great things. In Jesus' name, amen.
Lord. And ever. And ever. And ever. And ever. For all. For all. For all. Say it like you mean it. Say it like you mean it. You've done for me. For me. Come on. Blessings and glory and honor. Blessings and glory. family. We want to just pause to just to pray. Amen. How many thank God for his blessings? Wow. That song is a reminder how great God is, right? I believe I got word that Mother Miller nephew passed away this morning. We need to pray, family. We're so glad that Sister, Sister Deborah, she's not a guest anymore. She comes to our worship service. She also minister Deborah. She comes also to our Bible study. We're so glad that her, her daughter is with us today. We, we have been praying for you, my dear sister. And you sitting here, truly it is a miracle. We're living in dangerous times. Right here in St. Louis, we're hearing all of our babies being shot and being killed. But the sad thing is that people are still playing with the Lord. Their friends are dying and and all of this thing, all of the bad stuff are happening in our city. And people say, my, my, my. And then we go back to doing what we want to do. When are we going to wake up? Aren't you seeing the signs of the times? Especially with the coronavirus, my dear friends. Are you seeing it? In the last days, the Bible talks about pestilence, diseases. Things that we cannot even cure or control. We need Jesus to come. So how many stand in need of prayer today? If you need prayer today, come and meet me at the front. Come on, everybody. Come on. If you need prayer today, those who are worshiping online, we're praying for you as well. You can text your prayer request. Just put it in that inbox. We're praying. We're praying because the Spirit of God is moving beyond these walls. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. 
Can we just press closer? Because we want more people to come on up. Press closer, family. Come on. Come on up. We want more to come. Come on, come on. This is your opportunity. One more time, sir. Perhaps you're standing for a family member. You need to stand at the altar for this friend. just want you to understand the power of prayer family because that's what we believe in right here at tabernacle of praise we experience the power of God through prayer I called you up for a reason Bev you say pastor when is going to happen for me months ago you told me that can you speak over my life I talk about God-sized dreams and God-sized prayer. Something only God can do. And this year we started off with, 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 with talking about delays. Right? We started off. Because these, these are dream killers, delays and, and disappointments. And some of us are going through, through it right now. God, when are you going to move? But remember, always... God's delays are not God's what? Y'all know that, right? You retired. But you're still young and strong. Had a job for, for years. But God put it in you to go fill out the application. Go on the interview. And you had all of us praying, praying. Before you went to the interview, I prayed with you. You walk in. The woman took you around. Forget about the questions. When God gets ready to move, come on somebody. He's giving you favor. Listen to me, family. You got to learn to claim it. And you're gonna, you have to learn to believe that God can do anything. You put your trust in God and leave it in his hands. His timing, his timing is always perfect. Don't rush God. Because he have you in that time frame right now, that delay for a reason. To prepare you, to grow you. Your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed. Right now, what's on your heart? You pray to God right now for yourself. Right now, you pray. Eternal Father, we cry out to you. We just say thank you for being our Father, the God who cares about us. We 
thank you for being the God who sees everything. Thank you for being a God that is with us. Today, Lord, we stand, we sit in your presence. God, we need the power of your Holy Spirit. Take away, oh God, selfishness. God, take away the things, oh God, that are controlling us, causing us, oh God, to go against your word. God, I rebuke the enemy that is trying, oh God, to destroy the lives of your children. We need your spirit to be in us. To override the, 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 the thoughts of this world, oh God. Causing us, oh God, to, to think and do some things that are just evil, Lord. Take away, oh God. This mind that, that, that is causing people, oh God, to, to, to just be negative, oh God. I pray that you will take away depression from those who are struggling, oh God, with mental issues, Lord. I'm praying right now that you will guard their heart in every way. Pray that you will give them peace, oh God. Pray for that child, that mother, that father not to give up on life. I pray that you will be their strength when they are weak, Lord. There's no one around, Lord. I pray that your presence be with them. Hold that child, that parent to get in your hands, Lord. God, I pray for the one who are dealing with, oh God, the guilt, the shame, Lord. Take it away, Lord. Pray for those who have lost loved ones today. Be their comforter, Lord. Be their joy today. Only you can hold them together. And give them the strength to cope with the loss. God, I pray for the one who's sick, Lord. Come now and touch them, Holy Father. Go beyond what doctors cannot do. Medicine cannot do for them, Lord. And touch them and heal them today, Lord. God, right now we pray, Lord, for Sister Kamaline Reed's mother, Lord. God, thank you that she's still alive. Thank you for your grace. God, I pray for our children. This is youth day, Lord. Pray for your spirit to always be with them. I pray that you'll order their steps day by day. I pray for our young people to make healthy choices, Lord. I pray that they, oh God, will believe in you. And believe that they can do great and marvelous things. 
So I just pray, Lord, that you, Lord, will take control of them every day. May they hear your voice. God, some are confused. Show them the way, Lord. There are individuals who are need need of job. Thank you for providing it for Ben. Now do it for somebody else. God, we need a word from you today. So use Pastor Rogers. And I pray that we'll hear your word. And we'll obey. And so God, we just say thank you for being in this house. Thank you for your saving grace. In Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Come on and praise the Lord, everybody. One more time. Thank you. Amen. God is good. Come on up to Asia. was born in Portland, Oregon, to two loving parents, Kevin and Lanitha Rogers. A few years later, they moved to Seattle, Washington, and expanded the family to include his younger brother and sister. At an early age, Carson showed a passion for preaching and service to God. At the brisk young age of four, he delivered his first sermon to his home church on Psalms 100. While continuing to grow at his home church, Carson established values such as service, music, and hard work on behalf of God. After processing, sorry, after progressing through his de developmental years, Carson decided to come to Huntsville to attend Oakwood University. Carson felt the call of God on his life during his second semester of freshman year, and thankfully, he responded. Since then, he has had opportunities to serve as a champlain and AYM chaplain, sorry, and AYM director. He has also interned at both Oakwood Church in Huntsville under the Intern at First Lutheran Church in Huntsville under the leadership of Pastor Will Smith. Carson completed his work at Oakwood University by graduating in 2021 with a Bachelor of Arts in Administrative Theology and a minor in Business Management. Carson currently pastors in the Great Central State Conference at the Emmanuel SBA Church in St. Joseph, Missouri, and Cornerstone SBA Church. has a deep regard for God and wants to make his whole his sole focus in life to please God in everything that he does. One of his favorite verses is Romans 8 1. Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 
worship time. You know, um, during the week, um, I think sometimes I have to speak to myself to get disconnected. And in order to stay connected, you have to be planted and rooted in the ground. Um, somebody gave me a great analogy, said, your iPhone, right? Or Samsung. In order for it to stay powerful, you know, for it to stay in use, it has to be connected to a cord. Now, there's times when it leaves the cord and it's able to be used, but for, for most of the time in the night, you typically connect it to a power cord so it can have full charge in the day. I like to look at Sabbath as that day of the week that I get connected. I get connected on Sabbath with you, but during the week, I stay connected to that charger, and that charger, his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. You know, if I were to say that Obama was walking into the room, you guys would get loud and say, oh, Obama! But I just said, the connection that I'm making is Jesus. Jesus. That's right, that's right, that's right. So we're going to sing a fun song right now. Just a song that you guys love. I will bless the Lord. We did it last night, so how many of you were here last night? Raise your hand, raise your hand. So you're already primed and ready for what we're about to do today. Hey, I want you to clap your hands like this. Clap your hands like this. Watch me, okay? Clap like this.
above all names, a name that is matchless. My name is Jossie Haynes, but no one would know it if it still was said in the room. But if I say the name of Jesus, everybody would say hallelujah. Explain that happens when we proclaim. 
Jesus. 
Jesus, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. There is none like you, Lord. None like you, Lord. None like you, Lord. There is none like you. There is none, there is none, none like you. find nobody, Lord, but there is none, there is none like you. Come on, just sing that with me. There is none like you. somebody open up with your mouth and say thank you Jesus are there any witnesses in the building that know that there is none like our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ there is none there is none oh there is none somebody lift that up say there is none I'll search all over, there is none. 
know if anybody else came to praise him this morning, but I'm not here to play games. I'm not here to impress nobody. I came to serve and to worship my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because I don't know about you, but he's been good to me. Okay, I'm waiting for somebody to catch it this morning, that Jesus has been better than good to somebody in here, and you ought to open up your mouth and say to the Lord, thank you, Jesus, for everything that you've done for me. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. There is none. Nobody knows where Let me hear you say that. There is none. One more time. Say there is none. There is none like you. Hallelujah. Somebody put your hands together for Jesus Christ. Amen. If you can give me just a little bit more. Uh, it's good to be here this morning. It is good. This is the day that the Lord has made. Anybody declare that you will rejoice and be glad in it? Amen. I'm so grateful to be here. Um, I bring you greetings uh, from Emmanuel Seventh-day Adventist Church in St. Joseph, Missouri, and the Cornerstone Seventh-day Adventist Church in Atchison, Kansas. And um, I also bring you greetings on behalf of my lovely bride, Janelle. We are so grateful to be here. Amen. That God gave us traveling mercies. And I want to thank you all at the top for your hospitality. Uh, everything has been first class, and we genuinely appreciate that. Um, and so this morning, before I go any further, I also want to honor uh, the man that God has entrusted this house to. That is your pastor. Pastor Claval Hunter. Uh, that was all right, but this is the man that prays for you, the man that visits you, the, the one who's there when you're in need. I think we can honor him and his wife just a little bit better than that. Let's praise God for the ones that he's entrusted this house to. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for the invitation, for the opportunity to be here with you all. And uh, I don't want to belabor it. Uh, I don't know, how, how long do y'all normally, y'all normally go? Uh, when the spirit, when the spirit, so if you'll be willing just to give me five extra minutes this morning, I usually like to ask on the front end, just five extra minutes this morning, just raise your hand real quick. Amen. Five, 10, 15, 20 more minutes this morning. Come on and say amen, somebody. 
Amen. If you have your Bible with you, turn to Psalm chapter 1. Psalm <laughs> chapter 1. Um, I believe that there is something there that is pertinent for us this morning. Psalm chapter 1, um, beginning with verse 1. As you're turning there, I just want to affirm uh, the music ministry that you all have here at the top. I don't know if you all recognize the blessing that you have, but it touched my heart and it uplifted me. And I, Can we just take it a second and affirm our, our music leaders, our musicians, our sound team? Uh, you all are truly blessed to have uh, these individuals. Uh, Psalm chapter 1, and if you are there, if you don't mind making me feel at home like we do in St. Joe and Atchison and standing to your feet for the reading of God's word, I would appreciate it. Psalm chapter 1, beginning with verse 1, and I'm reading from the New King James Version this morning, but you can follow along in whatever version you have available. Uh, the word of God says there, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in what, everybody? His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like what, everybody? He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither. And whatever he does shall prosper. Verse 4 is where we'll conclude. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Once again, just for emphasis, verse 3. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of waters that bring forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. How many want that verse to be manifested in our lives that we want everything that we do to be able to prosper, that whatever you touch, that it's evident that God's hand is upon it. Anybody want that sort of blessing this morning? Yeah. This morning, we're going to speak under the entitlement, the pursuit of happiness, yeah. the pursuit of happiness. Let us pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, God, I ask right now that you would empty me of all self, God, everything that is not like you. Remove it now. Anything that should not be said, God, block it right now in the name of Jesus. I'm praying, God, that your people would not hear Karsten Rogers, but that they would hear the Holy Ghost speaking to them this morning. And that as you speak, God, the words that you would have said, that they would minister to our hearts and to our lives, so that we will be eternally changed. I ask, oh God, that as you are lifted up, you would do the work that you promised and draw all men, women, boys, and girls unto yourself. I ask these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen, amen. and amen. You may be seated. The pursuit of happiness. Uh, before I get started, I just want to know uh, who I'm speaking to this morning. And so if you are under the age of 25, would you mind just raising your hand? Amen. Under the age of 25, let us remember that it is the Lord's Sabbath day on which we ought not lie. Amen. Under the age of 25, I want to ask you to really cue in because I believe that there's something important that 
God wants to say to you, especially today, and to all of my seasoned members among us. Amen. I'm going to ask that you help the preacher out this morning to reinforce this message for our young people. Can y'all do that for me? Amen. Because one thing you'll learn about me is the more you talk to me, the less I feel the need to talk. All right. I tried to give you all the key to this morning. All right. Um, I appreciate the young ladies who read my bio. Um, As I said, um, I'm originally from Seattle, Washington. Um, My dad is a pastor. He's been a pastor my entire life. So from the moment that I practically came out the womb, I'm pretty sure that first week out, I was there at the church. And I've always been in the church. I'm what you would refer to as a church boy. Uh, I was always, I mean, I remember whole nights, y'all, that I went to sleep and woke up and I was still at the church. Y'all don't hear me this morning. Um, And so because of that, because that was my upbringing, because that was just also a part of my nature, I knew that that, uh, it wasn't even an option to ask to go to the party. I didn't even ask. There was no point in asking if I could go to the party. I, I knew that there were certain words that other people could say. Hello, somebody. But I could never, ever say. I knew that there was a day that was set aside upon which others could play basketball. But I knew I better stay away from every court in my area. Um, I knew that there were certain things that I could do and I could not do simply because I was a church boy. And the truth of the matter is that for me, that wasn't too much of a problem. I know some people, they have like a desire to do all those different things. I really did not. I was just fine being at church all day long, all the time. But now as I'm getting a little bit older, I'm realizing that there were pros and cons to being a church boy. And one of the cons that came about was that I actually did not truly develop a real relationship with God being a church boy. I learned how to be in church, how to say the church words, hello? I learned how to do the things that we commonly do and how to get by. But I didn't actually get to know Jesus for myself. So church became a performance. It became a weekly operation. It became somewhat monotonous for me so that I would show up and I could practically tell you everything that was about to happen. And I know for some of our season members, it's like, no, church is different every week. You know, last week we sang power in the blood. This week we're singing when we all get to heaven. But I need you to understand, but for a young person, you just sang another hymn. I'm just being real this morning. Like, for us as the young people, it was like you just told another children's story. Uh, you just preached another sermon. None of it really seemed to have any bearing on my life. I didn't really care. The only thing that I looked forward to on a weekly basis was whether or not we were having potluck dinner. Because I didn't want to have to make the 25-minute drive back home in order to get some food. But if I could get some food here at the church, that would be a lot better. That was my church experience for many years. And I'm saying this because I think that there are many of us here this morning who may also be feeling like you are in a rut, like you are going through motions but nothing is truly changing. And so if that's you, I want you to really pay attention 
there was one day that I especially looked forward to as a church boy. <clears throat> as a church boy, uh, the one day that I looked forward to it would happen once a quarter, and it was called communion. I looked forward to communion. And I wish I could tell you the reason that I looked forward to communion was because uh, I, I was looking forward to celebrating the death, life, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I wish I was that holy. But, but the reality is, that's not why I look forward to it. The reason I looked forward to Communion Day was because, I don't know how y'all do communion here at the top, but back home where I'm from, on Communion Day, we also take the time to share testimonies. Y'all do that? Yeah, we, we, we take the time to share testimonies. And I love testimony time. As a church boy, I mean, that was the highlight because it was during testimony time that all of the secrets came out. Oh, y'all acting too holy this morning. I'm going to come talk over here. It was during testimony time that I learned what somebody had been struggling with and, and what they had done and some secret child they had had X amount of years ago. It was that testimony time that all the good stuff came out. And I love testimony time because it was unscripted. There was no way to prepare for it. Anything could be said. Anything could happen during testimony time. Do I have a witness this morning? And, and so, man, I, I, I almost wished at times that I could have like a bag of popcorn and just sit there and recline and enjoy what was happening during testimony time. Y'all pray for me. Uh, but it always seemed like during testimony time, at my church, when everybody would be uh, wrapped up in everything that was happening, uh, it seemed like there was always someone, it might be a different person each time, but there was always someone who would kind of find their way into the back of the sanctuary. And when I would recognize or see this person, you could tell there was something different about them. You could tell as you looked at this person that they had gone through a little bit more. I'm not talking about being judgmental or trying to denigrate somebody, but I'm just saying you can look at them. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You can look at them and tell you've been through some things. You, you've been around the block once, twice, maybe three times. There was something different about this individual. And as the mic would make its way around the sanctuary, inevitably, it would make its way to that person. <clears throat> and as that person would begin to share, they would begin something like, well, they had been born and raised in the church. They consistently come. And then somewhere along the way, as they got older, they got towards their independence. They no longer felt the need to come to church anymore. That something may have been said or done to them within the church, and so they left the church, and they went out into the world searching for something. And they went out and they tried all sorts of things. I mean, it could be anything. It could be drugs. It could be alcohol. They could have a number of kids. I mean, it could be a plethora of things that this individual had gone through. And usually somewhere in their testimony. They had gone through some transformational experience. Maybe it was a drug overdose. Maybe it was a gun battle. But at some point in their life, they had an epiphany. 
and they realized that they weren't having fun out there in the world. And it seemed like every time that this testimony would come around that somebody would eventually say something like, but God. And at the point that they said, but God, it was like the whole church would erupt into pandemonium because the long lost child, the prodigal son, had found out that they were safest at home, here in the church. And I recall, as a church boy, whenever this would take place, thinking to myself, man, I don't have a testimony like that. I've never gone through anything like that. I don't receive praise like that. There was a a part of me that would feel just a little bit envious. And I would ponder in my mind, maybe I should do what they did. Maybe I'm I'm being too uh, uh, comfortable and cushioned here. Maybe I need to go out there and, and try just a few things. And then once I try them out, then I'll find out and realize that, This is where I actually belong. Maybe in some sort of way that would make my commitment to Christ that much stronger. And the reason that I'm saying this to us is, is, listen, for anybody who has one of those types of testimonies, we we genuinely praise God for, for your return here and for how God has blessed you. But what I'm trying to highlight for us as a church is that we have to be careful of glorifying what's not the ideal. We've got to actually tell our young people what the reality is. And the reality for us is that the enemy is trying to take us out. Like to each of my young people, I need you to understand that the devil does not wait until you reach a certain age to start attacking you. He does not wait until you all of a sudden get out into the world to now make an attack on your life but that the enemy is seeking whom he may destroy right now. He has a plan for your life and that he is attacking you right now. The reason that I love this passage in Psalm chapter one is because it exposes the plan that the enemy has for your life. How many of us believe that there's value in knowing what the enemy is trying to do right now? That the enemy has a simple, plan, but in order to understand his plan, I want to explain a principle to you. Uh, Everybody repeat after me. Everybody say, my thoughts thoughts lead to my actions, actions. and my actions actions. become my lifestyle. Okay, one more time. Say it with me. My thoughts thoughts become my actions, actions. and my actions actions. become my lifestyle. Now, you may be saying, okay, pastor, what what does that really mean? That means that the enemy is looking to be able to influence your thoughts. Because the enemy knows that if he can influence your thoughts, he can now direct your actions. He can get you to do certain behaviors. And if he can do that, then he can get you into a particular lifestyle. If you can grab me that chair real quick. Because I want you to see this. In Psalm chapter 1, what does the Bible say? Look at it there. The Bible says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, 
nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Now, I want you to see this passage taking place because it's very powerful. David does this in a particular way in order to emphasize a particular point. Are you with me so far? All right, the Bible says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the pathway of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Okay, one more time. I don't want you to miss it this morning. This is, I promise you, it's the whole message right here. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the pathway of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. I think a couple of people are starting to catch it. But one more time, don't miss it this morning. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Now, what does that mean? That means the counsel of the ungodly means that the enemy is trying to control your thoughts. He wants to find an avenue or a pathway to be able to influence the way that you think. Okay, for all of my uh, African-American young men and women in the building, I need you to understand that the enemy is seeking to control or direct your thoughts. Because he knows that if he can direct your thoughts, he can then dictate your actions. You see, the enemy has all different ways of trying to influence your thoughts. He can try to influence your thoughts by what you see, by the movies that you watch, by the media that you uh, uh, tune into. The enemy can try to influence your thoughts through your friends, through the things that they try to tell you. But here's all that the enemy wants to do. He wants to plant an idea in your mind. Because he knows that if an idea really takes root in your mind, your actions will always follow. Okay, let me say it this way. Um, uh, My wife and I, we have been talking and I have been trying to do a better job of getting into shape. And so I got a Planet Fitness membership, and I was trying to go to the gym consistently, right? Anybody have a Planet Fitness membership? All right. So here's one of the things that they have at Planet Fitness. It doesn't matter where you go. Uh, just about every Planet Fitness, whenever you get there, right, and I would come in, and I would have this mindset and this intention that I'm going to work out, that I'm going to do some cardio, that I'm going to lose some weight. And so I would get there into the gym, and I would hop onto the treadmill, and I would start running, and my mind would be set on running, and I would be running there on the treadmill. But at every Planet Fitness, there's always TVs, always TVs up above. And so as I would be running, eventually, right, I'm I'm in my stride, I'm in my rhythm, and then I look up, and one of the TVs is always on the Food Network. Somebody going to help me preach this in just a second. As I'm on the treadmill and I'm running, I start to look at the Food Network, and they're, they're making some gourmet type of meal, some fettuccine Alfredo with some mushrooms and some other things I can't even pronounce. And as I'm looking, I'm running, but I'm looking, and I'm running, and I'm looking, and my mind begins to kind of get distracted. 
Because the intention that I had to work out for an hour, now I start to feel my stomach grumbling and I I don't really have the same energy to keep on running anymore. I was going to work out for an hour, but I think I'll cut it short at just 30 minutes because now my thoughts have been influenced and I want to find my next meal. What I'm trying to say to us this morning is that the devil knows that if he can influence your thoughts, He can then direct your actions. The Bible says that you will be walking in the counsel of the ungodly, but that once the idea takes root in your mind, you are now standing in the pathway of sinners. You see, when you're standing here, it's no longer just an idea. You're now acting on it. You're now engaging in it. You're now doing whatever it is that was the, uh, first an idea. So now you are in a bad relationship. Now you're finding yourself stuck with an addiction. Now you're finding yourself doing things that you never thought that you would end up doing simply because you bought into the idea that the enemy sold you. And so you're standing here in the pathway of sinners, and you want to get out, but, but you find that you're not really having the freedom that you once had. And, and the truth is that if you stand anywhere long enough, huh, your feet going to get just a little bit tired, that you're going to start to want to find somewhere to recline and, and get comfortable. And the Bible says that you end up sitting in the seat of the scornful. And here's what's dangerous about this position is that once you're here, now you have lost your hold on God. Once you're here now, you you now say that you are an atheist, that that you no longer believe in God, that, that you no longer have anything to do with religion or faith or spirituality, that you now are totally resentful to God. And there's some important nuggets that I want us to glean from this passage because the Bible says that you begin walking in the counsel of the ungodly and then you're standing in the pathway of sinners. Notice that the Bible says that there is a blessed man, but there's a pathway of sinners. Okay, once again, like there's a blessed man that's singular, but there's a pathway of sinners that's plural. In other words, what the Bible is indicating to you is that once you find yourself here and you're engaging in things that you know are wrong, that you will find a group of sinners around you that make it comfortable. You'll find other people who are doing what you're doing, that it can be uncomfortable, that it can be a lonely road being obedient to God. Anybody, any witnesses out there that know that it can be a lonely road when you're trying to be faithful to God, but you can find a crew when you're doing what's wrong. You can always find people to support you when you're doing what you're not supposed to do. You can find people who will sign and people who will agree and compromise all the time. That here you are in a pathway of sinners. And one more thing I want you to understand from the passage. Look at it now. The Bible says that you are walking in the counsel of the ungodly. Get this now. If I'm walking, that means that I'm starting here and I can choose if I want to go over here. I can walk over here to the right. 
Listen, I, I've got complete control over my limbs and can do what I want to do and I can go where I want to go because I'm just walking. But then the Bible says that you eventually find yourself standing. In other words, the I can't really move as much as I used to. I don't have the same latitude and freedom that I once had. I don't have as much control over my mind as I used to. The Bible says that then you begin to sit. And, and, and at this point now, you've lost even more control over your life. Understand that the reason that this pathway of the enemy is so successful is because it always starts out fun. It always starts out easy. It always starts out enjoyable that you can do what you want to do and go where you want to go and say what you want to say. But eventually, the enemy is not going to give you freedom anymore. That he wants to control you and to restrict you and to divide you and to make you a, a slave to sin. Listen, I need us to understand that in the original Hebrew, the word that is used for sit indicates that you are married to sin. I wish I had some help this morning. That you have made a lifelong commitment to sin. I need us to understand that once you are seated right here, the devil has designed this in such a way that you are not supposed to get out. That this seat is designed to be your grave. Listen, listen, listen. I, I, I hope that you can hear that I'm passionate about this. And the reason that I'm so passionate about this, the reason I need all my young people to hear this, is because for every one person that makes it back out of this seat, I need you to know that there are nine more who never make it back. Listen, I'm serious about this because I've had too many friends who've walked down this pathway, who stood in the pathway of sinners. And God only knows where they are right now. The enemy wants this to look like fun. He always makes it appealing. But at the end, it's not. Listen, the enemy can tell you any number of lies. He can tell you, listen, maybe you, you had a teacher who tried to tell you, you're not smart. You ain't never going to be anything. And because that teacher planted that idea in your mind, you dropped out of school, can't hold on to a job. Now you're struggling in debt, don't know what to do, can't seem to put your life back together anymore. All because you believed the lie of the enemy. Listen, there are some who've been told by, by maybe a parent, maybe by someone else, that you're not beautiful. Some young lady who believed the lie. You're not beautiful. You're not worth anything. And so all you wanted was just one Negro to remember your name. And the devil found just the one for you. 
And he remembered your name. He didn't care about you. He didn't give you no flowers. He just remembered your name. And you gave everything to him. And now you, you, you seem to go from relationship to relationship and from marriage to marriage to marriage. Simply because you believe the lie of the enemy. What I'm trying to indicate to us is that this is not a figment of our imagination. This is not something that, that, that I'm just trying to, to scare you with. This is real. The devil is serious, y'all. And, and let me tell you the greatest trick that the enemy has. Because, you see, we think that this is only for people in the world. <laughs> but I need us to understand that, that what actually causes our young people to walk down this pathway is the long-standing Adventist who's been in this seat for a number of years but keeps on coming to church. Okay, I knew it was going to get quiet right here, but that's all right. Because this pathway is not just for people in the world. I need us to understand that you can be seated right here in the seat of the scornful in the house of God. That there are some people who think and believe the lies of the enemy, and therefore they are destructive to the church. Uh, that there are some people who think that they can regulate and control their own behavior. But since they found out that they can't, then they try to come into the church and they try to run everybody else's life. All right, maybe y'all ain't got people like that here at the top, but I know other people, other places that, that then they come to church and they want to run everything and they want to run every meeting and they want to control who's on what board. And now they are sour and they're bitter and they're angry and they're jealous and they're hateful and they're envious and they, they have all types of dysfunction in their lives, but they can never admit what they're going through because they have to keep coming here to church and they destroy the church. And they push our young people out. I need us to understand, this ain't just for our young people. The enemy is seeking to destroy every person in here. And so, the question for us is, all right, I understand. The enemy has this pathway designed for us, but what do we do? What do we do? Well, the psalmist gives us the answer right there in verse 2. The word of God says that what you need to learn to do is to delight in God's law. <laughs> now, see, I know that doesn't make us shout and get all excited and everything because truth be told, many of us have a bad view of the law of God. You see, what the enemy wants us to do is to see the law of God like this path. We believe that God is just trying to restrict us and control us and confine us and make us live a boring life and have no joy and no happiness and no peace when God wants the very best for us. But we got to learn how to delight in the law of God. That when God asks us to do something, you've got to understand that it's for your very best. And uh, the way I'll describe this to us um, I recall, well, recently, actually, I got married. Me and my wife got married in July of 2019, so we praise God for that. 
And here's what I did not <laughs> realize about marriage. The, the thing about marriage, uh, to all my young people, I want you to hear this. Like, <laughs> I'm going to choose my words carefully. Listen, you, you don't know a person until you live with them. Do I have any witnesses this morning? You, you don't really know a person until you live with them. And so um, when we actually moved in together and now we're, we're trying to sort through some different things, right? And, and we're trying to figure out how to live together, that there will be days and times and moments where my wife would be like, hey, um, you've been leaving your towel here. But would you mind putting your towel right here? Oh, yeah, sure. No problem. That's cool. I got that. That's cool. Um, listen, uh, you have been leaving the dishes I got some married folk over here who know what I'm talking about. In the sink all, all night, can you uh, wash the dishes every day? Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. I'll, I'll do that. that. That's no problem. Hey, listen, um, you just kind of get out of bed and go on about your day. But would you mind putting the, the sheets back where they need to go? And, and, and the thing was, uh, Pastor Hunter, right, like I, I try to be a man of God. I try to remain holy and pure. But every now and again, that, that, there's a little bit of flesh that rises up inside of me. And I was just like, listen, okay, I'm trying, I'm doing what I can. But it seems like this list never ends of the things that you want me to do. Listen, any husbands that have gone through this, I just need you to blink at me. That's it, just blink. Don't say nothing, don't move. Just blink at me, Hello. That, that it seems like this list never ends of the things that you're asking me to do. And I was frustrated and I was upset. But then God had to speak to me and to change my heart. And what God did for me is he helped me to say, hey, listen, how much time have you been spending with her? Yeah, do you actually understand why she's asking you to do these things? And I began to try to reorient my life and reorient my priorities so that I began to spend more time with my wife. I began to find out why she's asking me to do something. I began to enjoy her presence and go out on date nights again. And the thing that was amazing about it is that as I spent more time with her and I got deeper into my relationship with her, I found that I didn't have to be told to do these things anymore. I found that I began to do them naturally just because I was in a loving relationship with her. Oh, I need us to understand, church family, that the deeper that you go in your relationship with God and the more that you're connected to him and the more time that you spend with him, the more that you begin to naturally change, that God begins to do a work on the inside of you to change you from the inside out. Do I have any witnesses? that I've gone through and know that God will begin to change you, that he will work on you, that he will do some things for you that you couldn't do for yourself. That, that, that God, yes sir, stay married, amen. That God wants you to be in a loving relationship with him. And I promise you, once that happens, that everything will go much better. Listen, I'm almost done. But there's one last thing I want to let you know from the passage. Ah, glory to God. Listen, one last thing I want to let you know from the passage, and I'm going to take my seat. Listen, the word of God 
says that the blessed man, how many of us want to be blessed? That this blessed man who avoids this pathway, right? He avoids this pathway and this trap of the enemy. That he delights in the law of God. But that the Bible says he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of waters. And the thing was, Pastor Hunter, I, I, I read that passage and I began to think to myself about what does it mean to be a tree? I think that there is some significance to being like a tree. Because here's the thing about every tree that you see here in the world. Uh, every tree has to go through a process. No, no, like every tree. So when you think about a tree, it always starts out as a seed. And the thing is, you can take that seed and you open up the ground and you plant that seed and you cover the dirt. And then if you were to walk away and you come back the very next day, to the seed that you just planted, what are you going to find? You won't find a single thing. You can go back the next week and look here for the seed that you planted, but, but you won't find anything there. No matter how much you keep coming back to look at the seed, you won't find anything because you won't see anything taking place. And what I need us to understand is that we are living in a right now culture where we expect immediate results, where we expect God to do things instantaneously in our lives. And what I need us to understand is that God can be doing something miraculous in your life, but you won't see a single thing. That, that God God works in mysterious ways and that every now and again, the things that God is doing in your life, they're happening under the dirt. That, that you can got to just exercise a little bit more patience and wait on the Lord because there's some things in your future. There's some fruit that's going to be produced, but you've got to wait and know and trust in God that happening under the dirt. I wish I had somebody who would claim that that new bay you've been waiting on is under the dirt. I wish somebody would begin to declare that that promotion you've been waiting on, it's under the dirt. That that straight A's you've been looking for, it's under the dirt. That whatever it is that you're wanting God to do in your life, you may not see it happening, but that's why the Bible says that you must exercise faith to believe that even though I don't see it, I believe by faith it's happening in my life, that God is working and moving, and that in the end, a tree is going to take place. That fruit is going to be manifested in my life. Listen, for all my young people, I need us to understand. Listen, yeah, that pathway can be quick. It can be immediate. It can seem like it's the best thing ever. But you will enjoy so much more joy and happiness being in the will of God. That if you choose, listen, I'm not going to believe this lie that vaping doesn't really harm my body. I'm not going to believe this lie that bullying doesn't affect me. I'm not going to believe this lie that marijuana has no impact. Come on now, we know that there are some specific lies that the enemy has that are targeting our communities. Amen, somebody. 
Like, I'm not going to believe that whatever relationship is just going to be a good relationship. I'm not going to believe that I can do anything with my money. I'm going to believe what the word of God says. Listen, my young people, I need you to understand, you don't have to go out into the world. You don't have to experience everything that's out there. I'm trying to tell you, there are two ways you can learn. You can learn from experiencing it yourself. Uh, There's a few people in here who know that that's called a school of hard knocks. Or you can learn from someone else's experience. Like I challenge my young people right now. Take a look at your families. Look at what your aunts and your uncles and your cousins and look at what they're going through. Hello, somebody. Like, we've got to really honestly evaluate what do we want in our lives. Because I promise you, there's nothing better in all the world than to be in the will of God. Do I have any witnesses this morning that know nothing better than to be in the will of God? Listen, you can play for me. I'm almost done. But there's one last nugget that I love here in the passage. The Bible says that the wicked are like the chaff, which the wind drives away. For many of us in our modern 21st century mind, we have no idea what that means. But what would happen is that a farmer would plant a harvest and he would gather up all the wheat. When the wheat would be gathered, The thing you have to understand is that there is both a good and bad part to wheat. So there is the good part, which we refer to as wheat, and there's a bad part, which is called chaff. And the thing is, the wheat and the chaff have to be separated in order so to be able to process the wheat. And so here's what the farmers would do. (coughs) They would take the wheat and the chaff, They would cut it all up together. They would grind it up. And then they would take a huge pitchfork and they would throw it high up in the air. And they would do this over and over and over again. The question is, well, why would they be throwing the wheat and the chaff up into the air? The reason that they would throw it into the air is because the chaff is like, like you know when you blow on a dandelion and the seeds blow away? That's what chaff is like. It's driven away, like the word of God says, by the wind. But there's something different about the wheat. When the wheat is thrown up into the air, it actually falls right back down to the ground. And as I thought about this, I I realized that there is significance for our lives. Because you see, if you were to stand back and and take a look from a distance at the wheat and the chaff, as the wheat are, are blowing away, it would look like the chaff is free. It would look like the chaff is experiencing another level. 
Like the chap is going by and it's having all the fun, like it's going to new places, like it's having all these crazy experiences. It would look like the chaff is free and it would look like the wheat is in bondage. But in reality, <laughs> the chaff is controlled by the wind. The chaff is not free. It's in bondage. The chaff has no control over where it goes. It just has to be dictated to by the wind. What I need us to understand is that when you are not following God, you lose control over your life. That you don't get to choose where you go anymore, but that the enemy, like the wind, will direct your life. And he will take you to and fro. The chaff gets up there and they think they're having fun, but in reality, they're in bondage. But the wheat is different because the wheat has weight to it. Oh, I wish I had some help this morning. You see, the wheat knows that there is something greater on the inside of it that's greater than what's happening on the outside. So it don't matter what kind of circumstances the wheat goes through, don't matter how high it's thrown up in the air, because there is something on the inside of the wheat that is carrying the wheat that is greater in the wheat, it always comes back down. The wheat always has peace through the storm. The wheat always guides through every circumstance because the wheat is stronger. It has weight to it. And it may look boring, but it's not because it has weight to it. It has substance to it. It has value. It makes a difference. It can produce something that's of essential value. Listen, the Bible says that in the end, God is going to divide us <laughs> like wheat and chaff, that the wheat, that the chaff will be destroyed, but that the wheat, because they have something on the inside, in Jesus Christ, that you will be able to live eternally with him. Listen, this morning, my appeal is simple. I just want to know if you want to have something on the inside of you, that you realize that there's a void you realize that there's something that's missing. And you're saying, God, work it out in me. God, I want to have value in my life. God, I want to be genuinely happy. I want to live a blessed life. God, I want to be the head and not the tail. I want to live above and not beneath. God, I want to experience all of the prosperity, all of the blessings that you have in store for me. If that's you this morning, I invite you to stand to your feet. you're saying, God, I want to give my everything to you. And to anybody who's saying, Pastor, listen, I've been on this pathway. I've seen where it leads. I may have gone down it myself. I've seen somebody else go down it. I feel like I'm stuck right here. You may feel like the enemy has you in complete bondage right now. But you're saying, I believe 
by faith in Jesus Christ that I can be free. Not just I can, but I will be free. That God is going to loose the chains in my life and that God is going to do something for me. That God is going to change me from the inside out. God, I believe that you have my best interests at heart. God, that you want me to be able to prosper and be in good health. If you're saying this morning, God, I'm stuck right now, but I want to break free. I need some prayer in my life to help me break free. If that's you this morning, meet me here at the altar. Listen, don't hesitate, don't worry, don't think about it. Don't worry about what your friends going to say, what they going to do, because the truth is they don't have a heaven or a hell to put you in. Right now, in this moment, it's about you and Jesus Christ and giving your heart to him. Listen, he's a good, good father. He loves you with an everlasting love. He wants the very best for you. And as Sister Hunter sings this song, I want us to think in our hearts and minds about what it is that God wants from us. I've heard a thousand stories of one. They think you're lying, but I've heard the tender whispers of love in dead of night and you tell me that you're pleased and that I'm never alone. Your good, good father is who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am, cause you're perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. To us. Listen, the altar is still open for anybody else who wants to join us. You are perfect in all of your ways. Come on and lift that up. Say you, you are perfect in all of your ways. Perfect in all of your ways to us. Say you're perfect in all your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You're perfect in all of your ways to us. Come on, lift that up. You are perfect, yes. Father, you see us right now. God, we have made the decision this morning that we don't want to walk down the enemy's pathway. We don't want to be seated in the seat of the scornful. But God, that we want to be free in the name of Jesus Christ. That we want every seed of bondage, every seed of despair, every seed of depression to be broken right now in our lives. God, that
that we want to live by faith and not by sight. God, that we want to live above and not beneath. God, that we want you to do something miraculous in our lives. God, we ask right now in the name of Jesus that you would give us the patience to wait on you, God, to know that you're working some things out inside of us, that you're making us more and more like you. God, I'm asking right now for every person under the sound of my voice who has said this morning, God, I want to be more like you. God, I don't want to go through the same things in life. God, I don't want to experience what they have out there in the world, but that I want to be fully and totally committed to you. I ask a special blessing over every young person right now. God, that you would free them. God, that you would give them wisdom. God, I pray for every mentor here in this church, that they would guide these young people, that they would be living examples of what it means to be surrendered to Jesus Christ. God, that the top would be an example around this conference, around the world, of what it means to be surrendered to Jesus Christ. God, I'm asking right now that any chains that the enemy has on anybody would be broken right now. God, that you would have your way in this place. And God, that we would leave this place eternally changed because of what you've done. We claim all these things in the matchless name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said amen. amen. Everybody said hallelujah. Come on and say thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. You're perfect in all of your ways. I want to give God praise in this house today. We receive that word from the man of God. Amen. We thank God for bringing you relevant word. Amen. God is doing something. Come on, somebody. God is doing something. He sent this family to pour into us. We appreciate you being used by the Lord. I mean, this guy is a preacher. Yeah. He's a singer. Y'all don't know this. He's also a musician. He can play as well. We thank God for your gifts. We thank your wife as well for being your partner. Amen. We thank all of our young people, those who come, the 
and friends and the family and those who participated in this service. Were well, you blessed? Come on, let's share that for our young people. For always being involved in ministry. We're proud of our young people. Sister Dancy, wait, she, she's downstairs. We invite everyone to be a part of our fellowship meal uh, downstairs following our benediction. And Sister Dancy, I know you perhaps you're listening. We thank you for your leadership, all of your youth team. Come on, put your hands together. Praise the Lord. Great leadership. Also, please remember when next week it's outreach. Amen. And so we'll be back here. I'll be here. And so we are, we're going to wear our T-shirts and we're going out, family. We're going to have a short worship experience and then we're, we're going to eat some food and we're going to go out and serve God's people. Amen. And so wear your T-shirts. You can wear any one of the T-shirts. Wear them, but come dress to serve. You don't want to miss next week. We're going to have a wonderful time in the Lord. Amen. And so we just thank you for being willing, willing to serve. Remember, please bring pampers, all sizes, amen? Bring pampers. We need you to bring the pampers. Please bring something, amen? Tell your friends, tell your cousin, honey, boo-boo, all of them. We, we collect in pampers, amen? We want them to bring it right here at top because we're going out to serve our children. And so please remember that. Also, please remember... Um, next month we are we are preparing to close out our pledge um, for naps the, the $25 total $100 $100 please remember to bring that bring that in complete your pledge amen remember that uh, please I appreciate you appreciate you doing that also please keep in keep in your prayers sister Angela Graydon um, her mother-in-law um, had a had an accident and so we want to just Keep in prayer, amen. Pray, just, just pray. Remember tomorrow evening at 3 p.m. We are right here as we celebrate the light of Sister Mahia McKinley. What a great, great experience. Come on, praise team. And come on, Maurice, give us our benediction. Amen, amen. Let's give it up for Pastor PK again. I got it right this time, preacher. I got it right. That boy was preaching. His mic is on fire right now. Man, hey, that was a good word. That was a good word. But uh, let us all stand for the benediction, and let's get ready to go downstairs and eat some good food that has been prepared for you. Amen? Amen. By some good hands. Um, Father God, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for Pastor Rogers bringing your word to us, God. I don't know how it impacted each and every one of us, but you know how you needed to impact us today. So, God, we thank you for your word again, Lord. Uh, right now, we thank you for the food that is prepared for us by the good hands that you have uh, blessed some good cooks. <laughs> Lord, we thank you for the spiritual food and the physical food. So, God, as we get ready to leave this place and depart from one another, we pray for traveling mercies from point A to point B, Lord, that you will be with us um, in our inside of us, Lord, throughout the week as well. So, Lord, may we keep you first in mind, God, all the, all the days of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you all, as we head out to go eat, we don't want to stop you, but if you want to spend some time and just worship with us, you're free to do that. I love this song. We're just going to say bye-bye to all that pain and all that worry from this year already. Here we go. Jehovah, you... I trust.
Thank you. 